Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. Welcome to We Go There. Nikki and I just wrapped up this interview, actually, and we wanted to just have like a little chit chat about it. Please, yeah, it was uh, it was a good interview. It was very zen. Um, Lucia is a weight loss coach, and we both chatted before this episode because Lex and I were like, "Oh crap!" Like this is a topic we have not, and and I don't know if it's intentional, but we've never mm-hmm. really. It's never been a topic that has really called us. And she reached out. She said, I want to talk about this on your podcast. And we were like, okay, I guess we're going to go there. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we both, yeah, I think probably we haven't broached it because like we were chatting about, like it is a very loaded area of people's lives. And there are so many different varying feelings around weight loss, wellness, working out. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, there's just, it's so loaded. It's so loaded and how you approach it. Um, and we like to approach things from all angles and, and especially being sensitive to people who are in a journey right now. Oh God. Yeah. And, and it's, and this is a hard one too, because there's also like, we've kind of the pendulum I think has swung mm-hmm. to like, it was very much growing up early two thousands, like everyone wants to lose weight. And it was totally like messed up. Like you were just told me you were doing Atkins at 17 with your mom. Like, like, I I went on a birth control pill. It was for acne. I got like, I blew up. Like, I mean, and I blew up, like, I just was not me. I quote unquote, like blew up in my eyes. Like I wasn't me. I wasn't me. I've never, I'd never, um, in my life been been like that so I like I said to Nikki I was like a little she said cute but chipmunk my little little chipmunk cheeks and you're like I was doing and I'm like man like I just and I think about because it was the crash diet culture you were looking at these celebs who were real then I can't even believe that we grew up looking at that it's like the icon but in in we grew up with that as the wanting to be you know and and I think that now we've come obviously decades later, a long way. And it's about body positivity. And there's a whole history behind that movement as well, that has somewhat been co-opted, but that's maybe another podcast, but just this idea of health at every size. And, you know, I try so hard on my page to never really make it about what your body aesthetically looks like. I try, and I'm sure there have been times I have fallen short of that mark, um, you know, and learning and growing and, just, you know, used to call it mummy tummy, like diastasis. And then I had kids. I was like, that's fucking terrible. Like, no. <laughs> and so, you know, on those old blogs, like I deleted them, you know, like you, like you, you evolved. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. And like, oh, I hate it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's sort of now people feel bad if they have an aesthetic goal. I have noticed there's mm-hmm. almost this like, you know, like, yeah, I want to help my pelvic floor and my core and my function, but like, I'd also like to, you know, wear the clothes that I wore 
you know, earlier in my life, at some point in my life, and I'm not comfortable with this weight or whatever. And I just want to say like, it's okay if you want to have a weight loss goal, like that doesn't make you shallow or vain or, you know, but it's also kind of like, and then there's other pen. I I feel like this is therapy for me right now, but like just this feeling of, you know, you shouldn't try to shrink your body and, you know, take up space. And I think that it's so valid. So it's kind of trying to reconcile this idea that I do want to potentially have a slight aesthetic goal, but I still want to take up space. Like it's not about shrinking. It's about feeling a certain way. I don't know. And, and this no, is it's why a, you're totally right. And maybe in feeling in, in having that you're actually not, you're doing the opposite. You're not shrinking yourself. You're, you're giving yourself um, permission to do one, what you want, but also to take up more space and feeling more you and confident in all of the things. Right. So I, I, I think you're right. And I mean, this conversation's great in that it really is around like a mindfulness practice that you're linking to, um, body image. Right. And that's just the topic of body image in general. Like it's, you know, I have had women that I have trained over the last 20 years who had really struggled with their body image. And you would look at them on the street and go like what she got to complain about, Mm -hmm. but like they struggled deeply, you know, like deeply, deeply, like deep insecurities about you name it. And like plastic surgery and liposuction, like girls, I have seen it all. I have worked in certain places in Toronto where it was like very common. Everyone would just go do lipo. And and I've worked with those clients privately. So like I've seen it on one end of the spectrum and it's definitely dysmorphic, but you know, it, and it just, I guess I'm saying that it's not just, it, it impacts everybody regardless of their body shape and size. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shall we get into it? Shall we let them get to the actual (laughs) episode? I feel like, I don't know. I just hope, I hope anyone listening to this walks away feeling like what Lucia says is helpful for them. And I, I believe that it could be because these principles are applicable to so many areas of life. Um, you know, just building that resilience to negative feelings and stopping the spiral and the looping. And she gets into all of that. So yeah, have a listen. Enjoy. So today we are sitting across from Lucia Holly. She is an expert in all things body image and mindfulness. And she actually helps a lot of women struggling with yo-yo dieting, with the principles of mindfulness and self-compassion nutrition science. She's got a master's of social work, clinical mental health. Uh, Lucia, you're a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and you've also had your own journey with body image struggles. And so there's so much to dive into here. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you and to talk about this. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I know that this is a subject that is so personal and so different and individual for everyone. So I'm just excited to be here and chat through from my perspective and hopefully have it be a, feel like a safe conversation. Yeah, welcome. And definitely, I think that that's important. And um, we have a trigger warning attached to this. So anyone who didn't see that and is listening, um, because we're diving into topics around body image um, and, and weight loss is included in this. So 
just so everyone knows. So perhaps we um, start there with your story, maybe, because you just touched upon it uh, when we uh, just started chatting a bit. Um, and I think that's important for people to hear and how you ended up in uh, this area of business and uh, coaching and and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'd love to jump into it. So my story has two paths and I will be concise about them because we love brevity here. So first and foremost, I actually had a weight loss experience of my own um, when I was in my early teens. I would be you would be classified as having childhood obesity. Um, and I ended up losing 80 pounds in a couple of years. And I've kept that off for the last 15 plus years. So I had this weight loss journey at a pretty early age and very much at an age where it's like, you want to hear mean comments about body and body image? Let's talk about the early 2000s and being a young woman, right? So I had that whole experience so we can dive into more. But then I kind of forgot about weight because I felt like, oh my gosh, I understand my food this much better. I'm eating all the things. I had no food rules. And then in my later teens, I actually started to get a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anxiety. And I was like, what is going on? I'm a super shy person, but something feels really off. And this is when I was in college. And long story short there, this was before going gluten-free was popular at all. I was not like, I'm gluten-free. It feels amazing. Uh, I was embarrassed to say I was gluten-free. I tried to tell people I went wheat-free, but I found out that I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so I was having thyroid flares because of consuming gluten. Um, and I was figuring this out on my own. Again, there wasn't a lot of conversation or dialogue, but I had access to my school's library and research papers. And I found this one study about kind of the correlation between mental wellness and gluten intake for a certain population. So I took the gluten out. And after two weeks, no more panic attacks, no more anxiety attacks. And I was like, whoa, I already knew that food was you know, supportive and could really affect how you felt day to day, but it changed the scope that much more for me. Really think, wow, this is something that I now understand that much more deeply. And so because of that, I switched my whole career focus and I got into nutrition because I was like, listen, no one else like needs to go gluten-free, but if I had such a radical, you know, kind of a simple change in my dietary pattern and it made such a big difference for me, what else like Let's just make sure people have education. I think education is empowerment. So I started working with clients in nutrition, taking any kind of client who wanted to come in. There was not a weight loss focus necessarily. But what I found after a you know, handful of years working with clients, especially with people who identify as women, is that they would come to me almost embarrassed about maybe having a goal around shifting how their body looks. And I was like, this is not empowering if we feel ashamed about one more thing. You know what I mean? So then I kind of said, at least let me be like open up and upfront. I've had my own weight loss journey. This is a place where we can discuss weight, hopefully in a way that is empowering, where we feel more energy. We feel like our lives are better. So that's kind of my journey to now in a nutshell. You've been through so much. That's and and I'm also gluten free, and I discovered it in my late twenties with like crazy, like nausea, constipation, like my own sort of journey. And it's interesting how symptoms can be different, but the root underlying cause could be gluten. And I I totally relate. Like at a restaurant, you often feel like a cliche when you're like, is is it is this gluten free? But like legit, like you don't want to see me doubled over in pain when I eat it. So it's not you know, it's not just because I think it's trendy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a quality of life. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. 
Um, but there is unfortunately a little bit of that, like I roll, here we go, you know? Um, but I, and I don't think, I think perhaps it's dissipating, but I remember, I felt that many times at restaurants. Um, okay. So gosh, there's so much here. Maybe we dive right into this sort of loving your body, um, messaging and, and it's something that we often hear in this body positivity movement, or at least that's how I've I've heard it. Like, love your body. Your body is everybody is a good body, and and I was talking to Lexi about this because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I get it, but like, what if that feels like a stretch for you? Like, I don't like my boobs. Like after breastfeeding two kids, like they're pretty much non-existent. Like I don't like the way they look. I don't think I'm ever going to really like the aesthetic of my breasts, but I respect them for what they've done for me, for my kids. I wear clothes that I feel confident in and I don't ruminate on it, but like, I'm never going to be like, look at these beautiful, luscious breasts. Like it's not (laughs) realistic. So, okay. And that's just my own experience. And, you know, Lexi, you're echoing that with like the boobs and the cellulite, whatever. Yeah. Cellulite, like, sorry, I just don't love it. (laughs) it's fine. I do like my ass when it's in jeans, but like I'm not strutting around in like a thong bikini. (laughs) Loving your body. And my boobs too. I mean, right now, oh God. They're fabulous now because you're like, no, no, no. They're going through a rough stage right now, Nikki. Oh, you're weaning? Yeah, I'm weaning. It's it's not pretty. (laughs) Okay, well, that's another podcast. What, What? Let's okay. So I guess the question to this is very long-winded. The question is this whole notion of loving your body, is that realistic? Is it misplaced? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh. First off, such an amazing question. And secondly, I think we all, I don't know anyone, client, friend, acquaintance, family member who doesn't have a part or multiple parts of their body that they're like, <laughs> if I could really choose something else, you know, I would. And especially, you know, yeah, same here. Tons of stretch marks, stretch marks everywhere, right? Like things that have to signify your body's gone through its own journey. And so what I would say in terms of body love is that if it feels forced, it's actually a really healthy reaction for us to push away. And I think that's what happens a lot when we feel like, oh, to love myself more, right? To be the person like, a lot of us are, we're, we're also smart. We know that like, oh, I hear that loving myself more is going to give me a better life experience. And then we put that on our to-do list of being like, now I've got to really love myself. And if I ever have a negative thought, like, oh, I should counter it with three positive thoughts. But here's the thing. To me, if we zoom out and if we look at it with that lens of mindfulness and awareness, what's actually happening is that we're taking our thinking or other people's thoughts, which is tricky and we can get into that more. We're taking the content of our thinking really seriously. If we feel like, "Uh uh-oh, I've had a negative thought, now I need to think a better thought or I shouldn't think it, or if I think it, I shouldn't have a flood of emotions come up or they should only be positive. It kind of starts us down this mental habit of trying to replace our thinking. And to me, that's just a lot of work. And it's always a little clue. If I notice I have thoughts in my head where I'm like sitting on them, because we all do, we're human. We have stressful days. We have days that are great. We're going to have thoughts. We have them all the time. So anytime I start to notice I'm looping a bit on a thought, to me, that's a little bit of like a love note of like, hey, you might be taking your thinking 
a little bit too seriously. And that's a big release of control to really notice like, oh, there's nothing for me to do with that thought. Because what is it that our culture, which to me, we're kind of steeped in like a culture of dieting, even if it's not around food and nutrition or body image. There are a lot of thoughts about like, keep yourself smaller, literally or figuratively, like don't go do the things that are scary. So all that being said, it's just our ability to take a step back and notice, okay, I'm thinking a thought. I don't have to do anything about it because I'm not my thoughts. Does that make sense? I was listening to a Glennon Doyle podcast and she talked recently about like how she hates the whole love your body thing because she's in the middle of recovery herself from an eating disorder and and she's just like why can't we just be neutral like you know I am my body it's not like your body is a separate entity from you that you need to learn to love like you would love your cat yeah yeah and it's just again it is more work and like if anything I feel like let's take some stuff off of that big to-do list because it's kind of never ending so don't stress if you're not loving your body basically is what I'm hearing yeah, because then that becomes a mental habit. Oh my gosh, how do I figure out? Or, you know, you see a lot of people who get really down into like personal development and it's always like, oh, but there could be one more better feeling or I'm trying to try and think my way into feeling really great. That's not really how humans work. When we're feeling really wonderful, I, I don't see us thinking a lot into that beautiful feeling. Usually the beautiful feelings are just happening. And then it's our thinking that kind of pulls us out of it. So more recognizing the thought, like I see you and releasing it and just not spending the time on it. Yeah. And if it, if it, if the thought does bring up a feeling where you're like, yuck or yuck, allowing yourself, and this can be tough too, of saying like, am I open to just feeling that feeling? Because feelings are chemical flushes. And if we feel a feeling all the way through, they're not going to last for forever. What makes a feeling feel like it's going to be there for a long time is when we then pile up all these thoughts about the feeling on top of it. We give it more power over us, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth, or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. What about the scale? So like, I remember getting a little bit fixated postpartum being like, oh, I lost this many, it was just water. But like, you're just sort of curious to see sort of like how your body's changing postpartum. Um, And I don't think it was unhealthy, but I do, I don't really weigh myself, but I do remember in that period of kind of being probably a little bit too fixated on it. And I Um, didn't, I, I don't weigh myself. And even with the twins, I barely weighed myself like my my OB and midwives never weighed me I think 
like, uh, yeah, I don't know why, but, um, Oh my God. I was, it was called out. I would go. I know. So I never experienced it. Like, oh my God. She would be like, we're at the blah, blah, blah today. And I'd be like, well, it's a nice announcement for the waiting room. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> yeah. Like I wouldn't, I never experienced that. And with the twins, like, I mean, I, I honestly don't even know what, what my weight was, but obviously like I'm carrying two babies, <laughs> but is yeah. So I, and I've never been one to weigh myself. Like I just know I'm in and around where I should be based off of my clothes. And I think postpartum had I, it would have been like, it wouldn't have been as healthy for me to, cause I, because especially after a C-section, I wasn't able to move the way I normally would. So I would have been in my head like, Oh, I'm, you know, not dropping weight as quickly because of the fact I can't move. And then I'm more frustrated. I can't move and all of the things. So I, I often don't, I, I don't know, right or wrong, but like, I, I don't go yeah. on scale. I just kind of guide myself of like, I feel good. I, my pants are fitting now again. So I think I'm back ish. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, what is it? What is it? What would you say to someone, Lucia, who is yeah. currently not like, feeling of fixating on the scale, like, and stressing if they see like their, you know, poundage go up at all. Yeah. Well, first off, I love hearing that you, you mentioned that you was like, you knew to some degree that it was like the water weight, right? Because the scale is only representing our gravitational pull towards earth. And as we know, that is not comprised of fat. And when they're like only fat, we, our bodies are made up of so much more. So I think what I've noticed a lot is that for people who are feeling like they're fixating on that scale number, first off, everyone is different. No, you know, you don't have to use the scale. And to me, the scale is a very clunky representation of what's occurring. It can be useful if we are going to talk about, you know, a more dramatic shift in weight. Sure, that's when the scale is really going to represent that. But for so many of us, what we're trying to use that scale for, it's often we're almost like get like usurping our control and saying, hey, scale, you tell me how I'm going to feel today. Mm. So if someone is choosing to do that, I think again, and this might sound really simple, but it is that awareness of noticing where, what, what am I expecting from the scale? And I think that can then help us come back to, oh yeah, actually the scale is showing me my lean body mass, is showing me water mass, is showing me so much more than just what I think it should be in our culture because what does our culture tell us? The lower the number, the better you should feel, which is absolute nonsense, right? We know that that is not how you feel happy. And if you listen to people who have had maybe major shifts in their weight over time, but have gained weight back because they were trying to do that through extreme restriction, whether emotionally or physiologically or with food, however they had that restriction come up, that lower scale weight, we we know it doesn't make us happier. So it kind of represents this expectation that, in my opinion, we should unpack a little bit more. Because when we unpack it, we I see that we take the urgency out of it. Versus when we're like, I've got to hop on it. Oh, God, now I'm having a bad day. Or, oh, okay, look, I'm having a good day. It's just based in those thoughts again. Those unpacking the thoughts. Unpacking the thoughts. Okay, what's the... What's the mindfulness piece of that? Because you talk a lot about mindfulness, you know, like a mindfulness journey to health. Um, you know, you obviously work a lot with women who are looking to lose weight, but for anybody, you know, whether it's yeah. large amount or a small amount, or if it's just staying the same and feeling better and more confident, whatever it may be. But what does it, what does it mean to be mindful in that process? 
Yeah, I think it's recognizing that we have our ability to move towards the goodness, which again, when I say that, I know that can sound fairly vague. Like, what does that mean? But when we're moving towards the goodness, because if you really boil down, like when if I'm asking clients, why is it that you want to shift how you look? If you ask that again and again, usually it's coming back to a feeling like, oh, I want to be confident or I don't want to be worrying about how I look or what like X, Y, and Z. So we know that our thinking, like we can't force that thinking to create a feeling, especially a beautiful feeling, because those pop up naturally. When we're playing with our kids, we're playing with the dog, we have time off of work and we're reading a good book. We're not forcing that. So that's where that mindfulness piece comes into play. Of it starting to shift us from being in that reaction mode, which is a stress response. When we're reactionary, I see a lot of women who get down on themselves, like, oh, I know I shouldn't have this reaction, but I do. Okay. So we're reacting to our reaction, it gets a little meta. But once you start to recognize, oh, I have that capability of shifting from reaction into reflection, to me, that's all the mindfulness is. It isn't this huge structure that you've got to learn. We're we all have a wonderful feeling inside of us. To me, that's kind of like our birthright, that we come back to the wonderful feeling. So how do we then not let it consume us, I guess? Like, right? So you're going to, and working with people and you're going on this journey um, and how do you not let it consume us? Because it could be, you know, oh, don't, you know, how do you not, how do you guide without saying like, don't go in the scale or go in the scale or don't let the, it dictate how you're feeling. But then now you're thinking about it, not dictating how you're feeling, but then, you know, you're getting caught up in that. Like, how does this not overconsume someone when they have a certain goal that maybe they want to achieve um, and making that journey as it seems like how you're doing, excuse me, doing it is as, you know, mindful and healthy as possible is that yeah yeah so in terms of like health actions and health habits we we get to separate those from what we're thinking about and what we're feeling right because in terms of nutrition most of the big rocks of health and wellness are pretty standard looking at how much gentle movement we're getting in throughout the day looking at if we haven't been strength training in whatever capacity that looks like for us how are we engaging our muscles a couple of times per week are we drinking water? Are we offering ourselves balanced meals at times during the day that help us feel good and sustain our energy? We start to separate the basics of nutrition because once you get used to those, they're not going to change too much person to person. So once we look at those, then we can start to see, oh yeah, okay, I'm getting hyperfixated on the really granular things that aren't moving me towards those. So it is a bit of that dance of saying like, yeah, I've had certain mental habits, those intangible habits around thinking, okay, this is going to be a really hyper process and there's a lot of urgency. We, when you start to like take that urgency out of things, it's kind of boring, <laughs> honestly. And then, you know, I, I know that there is a, a trigger warning on this, but if I can just speak about calories for a minute, if that's okay, in terms of maintaining weight, gaining weight or losing weight, really the difference would be the difference of a couple hundred calories. When I'm working with clients, we're doing a gentle 
calorie deficit if they are desiring weight loss or a shift of body composition in that way. And there's no dramatic changes in the types of foods that they're eating. So we focus on addition. What can I bring in, right? Because so often we're like, what do I got to pull out? We focus on bringing in and restoring that relationship with food. And that can be occurring with that awareness of the caloric amount. But by taking away that urgency, to me, that's one of the biggest and most powerful tools. It's saying like, where is that urgency coming from? Usually it's coming from that diet culture thinking. Wait a second, this is just about me feeling wonderful. Me tending to my own healthful habits. There's some basics that apply to most people. And if there's anything specific, I'm going to get to know that specificity for myself as I just show up on this journey. So we kind of make it boring, which might be the very first time it's ever felt boring. And usually I know we're on the right track. And my clients are saying like, something's missing, like it's working, but like, where's that hyper energy? It's like, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the rest of your life. Like it just gets to be what you want it to be. And usually that can be surprising but it's going to be a little bit boring. There's some general healthy habits, healthful habits, and those healthful habits give us more energy. They help us feel really strong. They help us feel empowered and they help us feel balanced physically and mentally. Lexi here. Okay. So let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute, body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At WaxOn, we've invested in top-of-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. What do you think about the what I eat in a day posts and reels on social media? Yeah, wow. A wonderful question. I was actually just when I was like drying my hair today, I was had one of those pop up on my screen. I was like, what do I think about that? So very timely. I think that it really depends on who's watching them. I think for a lot of people who are stuck in low mood thinking, who feel a lot of pressure, who are in that urgency, that's not going to be helpful. But for some people, for some populations, it can actually help to get them out of that mental loop of seeing someone, some like a lot of my feed, I'm seeing what I eat in a day where people are really saying, you have to eat enough. Look at how many times per day I'm eating. Look at these lovely meals that are a balance, you know, generally of carbohydrates, fats, and protein, foods that are more processed, foods that are less processed. So 
a lot of them can get into the tricky territory where maybe the content creator is coming from that scarcity. I don't think that those are helpful for people. But if that content creator is truly trying to show, this is individual to me. This is not prescriptive as it shouldn't be, but look at all this wonderful food. I think that that can be helpful for select populations, but that's the tricky part about social media is that any population could stumble on that video. So did you see how everyone just went wild on Gwyneth Paltrow's post on TikTok? Okay, yeah. of course you did. And you're in the fields. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts around that? Because people's reactions were, I mean, you couldn't go on TikTok and miss that, like a number of just trending videos around um, those comments Uh linked to her. So what are your what were what were your reactions to it? What were your thoughts? Like how do you feel about this? Did we recap people missed it? Like what yeah Lucia can recap like she was in Gwyneth was being interviewed on a podcast. I think it was her naturopathic doctor interviewing her. And she basically was like basically doesn't she does like a long fast and then wakes up with like bone broth. Like it was just the she was really just saying how she's not eating that much. And yeah. I feel free to jump in and correct me because I, I didn't really tune in that deeply. No, as you should, like, don't don't tune into it that deeply. I tuned in deeply and then I was like, oh, my God, like this just continues to generate more like stress for people. So, that no, that it, it's not represent. It's not a representation of balanced eating. And of course, you know, that clip was. Uh, one clip out of a longer dialogue, but the focus for those two, from what I was seeing, wasn't about trying to eat in balance or trying to live a life where you have enough energy to go do these certain things. That was very much what I was seeing was here's how one person is telling Gwyneth to eat in order to heal her gut or there's some sort of like additional health thing that she was focusing on which is unfortunate to me because also what can create issues with digestion, um, gut motility, uh, gut, you know, your gut biome balance. So dysbiosis or having appropriate gut balance is eating enough food. And that was a biggie that I was seeing is that in that wellness world, there are a lot of people who are saying, take certain foods away, do a lot of herbal protocols or get all your nutrients from supplements or IVs, which she had in during that interview when they were chatting. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, the representation for most people of how to achieve balanced health. So it just, to me, it was like a disappointing distraction. Like this isn't even a conversation like we need to be aware of, but that is the, you know, that to the double-edged sword of social media is that you see stuff, but then distracts people and it triggers people and rightly so. And then there's more discourse and dialogue and it's not generating more good feelings. So it was kind of a long-winded way of saying it was distracting and it wasn't her having a balanced, lovely life, in my opinion. It was just, it was interesting to me just to see how it was so triggering for people. And I guess the goal for, for people would be to not care. Like, can we just get, it's like, who cares what Gwyneth Paltrow eats? Like, can we not be so triggered? Like, we need to work on ourselves to get to a place where, like, we don't give a shit about what some celebrity eats or what she doesn't eat. Like, go live your life, right? But like, so this is also something that I found, like I was watching my feed be bombarded with like so many dietitians and you're just like, just like scathing, like, you know, freaking out about it. And I'm, and I, the, I have to be honest, part of me was like, 
chill out. Like who cares? But I guess there might be this piece where they're speaking for their clients that they see and they know it's going to hurt certain people. So maybe they felt like they, I don't know, but there was a part of me that was like, guys, let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt similarly a hundred percent. And it's, yeah, because it's also the context behind it, all of the things that add up to what that one clip was that then gets taken out because it could have been following a conversation around when you're trying to be really clean and this and this and this, what is the program that you're on, right? Like, I don't know, but all I saw was the clip of like this amount of... Anyways, it was, yeah, it, I agree, Nikki. It's a, it's a, interesting to see the reactions and the triggers that that puts out there. And, you know, when some, when one judges what other people are putting out there, oftentimes it's linked to something, an insecurity around themselves, like is, is basically what I think most psychologists would say. Right. And and that's why Instagram can be so um, triggering uh, to many, but it's, um, but that is just, yeah. And I, yeah, it's interesting of maybe if we didn't care so much and it, and it sounds like what your program and what you do in working with people is to try and disconnect that kind of getting consumed by, by these types of subjects and, and food and, and all of the things, right. And letting it be a part of your life. Um, but not all of your life. Is that right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, for a really long time, a lot of the women who were working with me were coming from a background of having a lot of knowledge about nutrition or have, you know, having done maybe a whole food or clean type, I don't want to like label specific types of diets because I don't think that's my place, but like coming from a very restrictive whole food type background. And so a lot, you know, again, I'd like to talk about different populations because for one population, Part of taking the urgency out of weight expectations or just, you know, appetite expectations, the relationship with food and body could be, let me add in some of these foods that I've been told maybe by certain figureheads aren't clean or are going to like ruin my blood sugar, right? For someone who doesn't have a medical diagnosis, that would be a completely different story. But for other people, part of the work might be learning more about foods that are more unprocessed. And so, yes, basically, Lexi, to kind of like go off of what you were saying, it, it, it's we need more nuance in the conversation. And when we get triggered and heated, and then we feel like we have to take our triggers super duper seriously, then we get into this place where it's like we're almost chasing our tails, where we might say, hey, we're anti-diet culture, but then we're getting revved up and angry about stuff in that same energy that we're saying we're trying to remove ourselves from with diet culture. Yeah. You nailed it there. And even I remember years ago, I used the term like eating clean. And I had a student who I, you know, I had a good relationship with. And she just was like, and this was like, I'm thinking now maybe six, seven years ago. And she was very much like, you can't say that like clean eating or eating clean. Cause it's sort of like, and it got me thinking mm-hmm. about even that term, So like eating clean, it's sort of like, there's almost like this superiority thing. Like, oh, but if you eat like French fries, that's dirty, you know, like that's, so can we talk about just like the verbiage there? Yeah, the labels. And again, if we bring it back to thoughts, those labels are usually representing a whole framework of thinking. And again, you know, with my clients, I also work with them on like 
Yes, you could journal out your thoughts and like understand which thoughts you're creating, which feelings. You could do that for forever and be in reflection 24-7. But then that's a new habit that we're practicing of really, okay, what do I think about the term clean eating or the term body positivity or the term health at any size? Like whatever, whatever it is, because we're all going to have labels because labels try to expedite how we're talking about things because we're human, we're social, we're trying to connect with each other, one another, right? So instead of doing all that, to me, the faster track back into the good feeling, which to, I keep saying to me, because it is individual and I'm just one person speaking about this stuff. But if I really zoom out, if I look at my journey, kind of any client's journey, like I said a couple minutes ago, it's about coming back into a good feeling, about having more energy, feeling more vital, feeling like we're not out of the moment. We're not thinking about the past. We're not thinking about the future in the current moment. We're trying to make a darn memory. So the way that we do that isn't by <clears throat> then practicing thinking about the past or thinking harder. It's actually about allowing that really to control of saying like, okay, so I'm a human having a human experience. I have thoughts that I might have learned to take really seriously, but because I am an adult, I can choose not even to think differently, which is what we were talking about in the beginning, but I could actually choose just to notice that the thoughts come and go. And usually what happens then is that when you notice that the thoughts come, that's when the thoughts kind of get that permission to go, because that's what a lot of people say, that the thoughts are spinning and looping and they're trying to figure them out and kind of hold on to them more and like shape shift them into like positive or at least neutral thoughts. That's still taking the content of the thinking really seriously versus zooming out and seeing Humans just think thoughts. It's what we do. We don't have to escape them. They only have as much power as we think, which is just another thought that they have. Can you give an example? Because we talked about thoughts. So can we give an example of like a specific thought that maybe you've used in your own practice and then how to like get out of that loop? Yeah. Well, should we bring it back to the scale? Because there are a lot of thoughts around the scale. So... Most of my clients do use the scale because I think, unless they don't like, I'm not going to force anyone to, but to me, it's almost like, let's just like, let's confront it. If it feels like it takes up a lot of your emotional space, let's just confront it. Let's confront the numbers. So if the thought around the scale is like, if it goes down, I have a good day. If it goes up, I feel out of control and then I'm going to restrict my food. Okay. So the thought work isn't about saying, I'm going to replace that thought with loving myself, right? Like you were saying, what does that even mean? You're also not going to get into, like, when we're stressed out, like, and we're hopping on the scale, and we get that big flood of emotions, it can be very, very emotional. That's not the time to try to use your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is offline when you're in that stress mode, because you're in your sympathetic fight, flight, freeze mode. So there's also when we're looking at thought work, because I know, I know we want an example and I know that that would like help it feel really solid, but it's a practice. So when we're in that stress mode, it's more so having the thought, I'm just going to let the feelings come up because they can't hurt me. And I do think that diet culture teaches us that our thoughts or excuse me, our feelings are out of our control or that they're bad. We're, you know, Women were really emotional, all of that like junk thinking. So there's a little bit of kind of you got to take the actions first 
see how your nervous system responds and then not replace the thinking, but see yourself in the context of a human who has thoughts. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Lex? Yeah, I think so too. I think that, um, I think, I think it, it reminds me a lot of, of meditation, (laughs) but I don't know. I just keep like going back to like my meditation training, um, like car, you know, cars just driving by and like recognizing them, but not letting them distract you of being like, oh, that's a red one with this and this and this. It's just like being like, oh, I see you and going by. Yeah, it just keeps looping in my head when you're speaking. So (laughs) I love that. Totally. I mean, the mindfulness, right? And so we can have all these different types of mindfulness practices, but kind of at the end of the day, they often boil back to, I'm going to have thoughts. They're going to come and go. I can attach to them. I can fixate on them. That's a little bit up to me. I might've practiced that innocently. Here's another thing. So much of what we do is really innocent. I think a lot of us who feel like we're hyper fixated on the diet culture stuff. I think we forget that we're innocent little thinking creatures. So let's keep it simple, you know? And that that really then is like that loving place of feeling like, oh, the pressure's off. Like if I want a different habit, because that habit's gonna move me towards something that I value or that I'm saying that I want, getting to that will mean recognizing that it's separate than the thoughts and the feelings. This is like that's powerful. things yeah. though, like not just body mm-hmm. image, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like to tell my clients that too, like you probably practice this in different areas. Like it probably won't be all that surprising, this way of thinking or like kind of like unpacking and not removing the emotions at all, but kind of taking a step back from them and seeing them for what they are. Most people in lots of different examples too. So it's like, you know, whatever it is for someone that isn't triggering or isn't overwhelming. Most of us have practiced this way of thinking. It's just might be new applying it to body image or, you know, wellness habits, habits, let's call it. So last thing to finish on for you then with your clients, what equals like fulfillment in your job and, and I don't want to say success, but like kind of like, you know, success of, of how you feel like you're making an impact to your clients' lives. Yeah. Well, when they come into that beautiful feeling and that doesn't mean that they're not going to have hard weeks or like light, like all the time, we're always talking about how life is lifey. Okay. But part of that beautiful feeling then that they're generating in this arena helps them feel more in the moment, which is exactly what that mindfulness is about, is coming back into the present moment. So when I hear clients who have kind of released that control enough to have a crappy week, believe me, my clients have crappy weeks, right? And they're like, oh, I'm back in my head. Oh, I thought I wouldn't be in my head. It was so good before, right? Like I lost all my progress. No, that's the diet culture thinking. It's thinking that there's anything that's all or nothing, black or white. So once my clients start to catch into that and they are, and I've had clients who've been like, wait, I meditate. This is really similar. A hundred percent. Once they start to bridge that and they feel like, oh, I see what's going on here and they get more lighthearted. That's like chef's kiss is when it feels fun and easy overall. That's great. Good. 
Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing this. And um, you have such a soothing way of explaining. I feel like Zen just this, right? (laughs) Totally. Um, And we'll include all the links of where people can follow you um, in our show notes. So everyone can go there. And thanks for sharing all your wisdom and Zenness with us. Well, thank you both. I love it. No, thank you both for allowing me to talk about this on here because it is a touchy subject and it is really unique and personal to every single person. So I appreciate you both for, well, you, for allowing you me. broached the topic with grace, Lucia. Yes. So thank you for that. For sure. For sure. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.